Hello, and welcome to our listening audience to podcast number 10. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and you are listening to Counter Voices. Today we will begin with part one of a four-part series entitled Autocracy or Democracy, Time to Choose. This is divided into four parts because of the complexity of the subject matter and to provide relevant research and references on the topic. Part one provides the history and 20 major traits of an autocrat and autocracy and its ominous threat to our American democracy. Part two will provide references focusing on the evolution of autocrats, regional autocracies, loss of identity as a grievance, and how to mentor and defend democracy. Part three will deal with validating the truth versus conspiracy theories, hate metaphors, misinformation, radical acceptance of the truth, and the multi-generational trauma an autocracy leaves behind. And finally, part four will deal with the role of education in a democracy, marginally educated citizens, opportunities of worth, the me-monster, narcissism, geopolitical implications, and keeping democracy alive. The four podcasts are guided by Dr. Jorge Prosperi, author of Trenses Braids, originator of the website diversitythreads.com, and of the podcast Counter Voices. Dr. Prosperi's research and writing span some 50 years as an educator, workshop facilitator, consultant, and researcher, focusing on the social, cultural, political constructs, agencies, and multi-generational trauma, with a focus on providing knowledge, historical context, and, as he constantly emphasizes, trying to provide relevant language. Welcome, Jorge. Uh, The pleasure is mine. So, let's get to the language of today's topic, the ideologies of autocracy and democracy. Based on historical and current research, you describe an autocracy as inherently insidious, evil, and a constant threat to American democracy. Why such an ominous description? Well, because I believe that autocracy, authoritarianism, is inherently, to its core, insidiously toxic and lethal. Let me be clear. By insidious, I mean unscrupulous and dishonest, with deceitful motivations and intentions. Historically, autocracies, by their nature, have been corrupt and pursue blatant criminal intents. So there should be clear and distinct efforts to help everyday citizens become aware of what's happening under the radar that may be affecting them. Yes, because an autocracy is not focused on empowering citizens, but suppressing them. It keeps citizens needlessly anxious, fearful, and angry by lying to people, disrespecting their intelligence, and urging citizens to blame others. It divides citizens and will not hesitate to promote violence to achieve power and control. All of these traits are totally opposite and an affront to American democracy. Jorge, you state that an autocracy is a, quote, national threat to American democracy, and that there should be a sense of urgency for citizens to become aware and comprehend exactly what is at stake 
in current and future elections. Am I overstating your position and belief? Uh, Not at all. I can't stress enough that an autocracy will leave ashes behind without regard for collateral, collateral damage, without respect for human rights. Authoritarianism has no standard of behavior. So, given what you say is a national threat to American democracy, what are some questions that citizens need to be asking in order to deal with the threat and to be able to choose widely, wisely when we vote? Well, the key questions that I hope citizens will ask by the end of these podcasts will create awareness and also knowledge. And here are some questions that I would propose. What is the intent and outcome of an autocracy? Does an autocracy have any guiding principles? Why are autocracies and autocrats cloaked in constant lies, corruption, and criminality? Why always the drama and trauma, the needless chaos, dysfunctionality? Why the bitterness and hate? And for what? How will an autocracy enhance the quality of each life and the lives of our children in the 21st century? How can an ideology built on deceit, paranoia, delusions, nihilism, and division serve its citizens? For what purpose? For what outcome? Well, I think that you answer some of the questions posed by stating that the ultimate goal of an autocracy is to not follow the Constitution, rule of law, and the legitimate will of the people, but rather to pursue absolute power and its control at any cost. So can you expand on this? Yes, there is a degree of power that is inherent with all governments in respect to governing. That is, the power that voters bestow on elected officials to govern with norms and guiding principles. All institutions are constantly dealing with choices on how power should be used. Aside from the vision and mission of an institution, there are guiding principles. In a democracy, the responsibility, the expectation bestowed by the people is that the power will be used responsibly with integrity, veracity, transparency, establishing credibility and trust. In a democracy, the power bestowed is never meant to be absolute and without checks and balances. That is not the case with an autocracy and autocrats. Now, some political pundits would say that America has established safeguards and protections that would make an autocrat and an autocracy impossible in America. So why do you believe that we're currently so threatened by an autocracy and the rise of an autocrat? The same questions were asked in Germany in the 1930s and 1940s and now are currently being asked in America. Many were convinced in Germany that authoritarianism could not, would not happen. They considered Nazism as a carnival sideshow, describing Hitler as a madman and clown. This is before Hitler even became a dictator. A segment of German society became numb to the exaggerations and extremism. Books and articles were written warning the German people that Hitler was an autocrat and an autocracy was on the way. 
There were many warnings that their republic was being dismantled norm by norm, principle by principle, election by election. It's very curious that the most alarming question that continues to be asked is, how could the horrors of Nazism even happen in a society? And interestingly, a historian of modern Germany, Peter Fretzsche, has written several books answering this very question to some degree. And he did it by examining the letters and diaries of average Germans from before and through Nazi rule and the war. And it is those personal accounts that have provided some insights by examining the dynamics of human behavior at that time. Yes, I'm familiar with his work. And as you say, based on the letters between Germans who were pro-Nazism and autocracy and those who opposed it and supported democracy. Now, I currently see the same divide between extremism and democracy existing in America today, but with little conversation between the two segments of society. During the 1940s, for many Germans, Nazism was inconceivable, too extreme to ever become a reality. It would just go away. The belief was that there would be too far too many educated people who could not, would not support a dictator. Tragically, history reminds the world of the cataclysmic multi-generational trauma Hitler, his enablers, and Nazism imposed, not only on the German people, but the world. This, I believe, is the danger and what is at stake now in America. Oh, I definitely agree there's a clear danger even though living in the 21st century America, with all of its safeguards, would make one think that most Americans don't believe that we would ever vote for an autocrat or live in an autocracy. Why do you so vehemently disagree? Because autocrats have already infected our politics. The latest version, I believe, is called Republican Trumpism, with its autocratic ideology, current autocratic legislators, and autocratic candidates that will be on every ballot in 2024, from school board members to president. Let me explain. Our democracy is built on the separation of powers by four branches, the executive, the president, legislative, Congress and Senate, judicial, the rule of law, the courts, and and the fourth estate, the free press. These are the cornerstones that autocrats want to dismantle and control. In other words, eliminate the checks and balances, disregarding the power bestowed on politicians by the people. And unfortunately, there has been an increase in the number of legislators across the country and future candidates that actually support Republican Trumpism. Yes, and we should ask, what do they stand for? What is their platform? Do they even have a platform? What is their intent? What legislation do they promote or have they passed that has enhanced the quality of life of all citizens? What problems have they solved? Do they use their power to govern or to obstruct? Why are they needlessly instigating chaos and confusion? What is their language, their actions in respect to the four branches of our democracy? And 
I've noticed that you state that rather than providing comprehensive programs and solutions to complex problems, such as the economy, the environment, and immigration, the autocratic strategy is instead to blame others, deflect, deny, and misinform the citizens within echo chambers, constantly repeating talking points and recycling those same lies. Yes, and this plays out as a reality if we listen to how they define and think about the insurrection on the Capitol. After all of the evidence and indictments against the big lie, they still proclaim that Trump won the election. Why do they hold on to this illusion? Think about Republican Trumpism represented by the Freedom Caucus. What do they stand for? What is their truth? Do they have any credibility and trust? Aside from creating dysfunction, division, obstruction, and the mania to hold on to power, misinform their constituencies, what have they done for the American people? Absolutely nothing. So, just to be clear, what you're saying is that American democracy is presently under attack by a systemic process of eliminating and or corrupting our norms and principles. In other words, we're actually witnessing an autocratic attack on the very essence of our American democracy and on our citizenship. Absolutely. My perspective is more than an inkling, but rather a national siren blaring 24-7, 365. These are the same warnings sounded in Germany in the 1930s. Americans need to brace themselves for what has already taken root in some states and districts, and what is at stake with each vote cast. Okay, but let me push back a little bit. We do still have a judicial system of laws and courts and judges that will protect American democracy. Isn't that true? Was it not the courts that just denied Trump and his lawyers 61 times out of 62 court cases, showing that there was absolutely no evidence that the election was rigged or unfair? Plus, over a 1,000 individuals have either pleaded guilty or been convicted of crimes from felonies to serious conspiracy, and the FBI continues to pursue criminals. Also, we have false electors that are admitting their guilt under oath in court for promoting that very big lie. Was it not the rule of law that indicted Trump and some of his lawyers and conspirators? Conspirators, Isn't that process ongoing and working? Well, you and political pundits make a valid point. But I challenge, what if the rule of law had not held? What if the insurrection had succeeded? What if the false electors had gained access and favor with the vice president. How many Republicans in office were ready to support the insurrectionists and still do? Also remind me, is Donald Trump still running for president of the United States? How many local and national candidates running for office still support Trump and the big lie? Okay, but you do admit that the rule of law did prevail, and don't you agree that it will continue to prevail? I agree the rule of law and the courts prevailed. But what about Republican senators, congressmen, governors, and attorney generals that still promote the big lie and are currently in office? Also, consider the judicial system and agencies under assault. 
the Attorney General, the FBI, DOJ, currently under attack in order to weaken the government from investigating and prosecuting criminality. So I know you've done a great deal of research on autocracy, so I'm wondering if you can provide an overview on the differences between past and current autocrats. Well, the autocrats that obviously stand out are Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, and Mao, who rule through blatant violence and fear. But in recent decades, a new breed of strongmen have redesigned authoritarianism by manipulating elections in order to remain in power indefinitely. Their focus is to achieve two major goals. First is attainment of power, and once in power, they shift to retaining, remaining in power, and control by changing the Constitution and electoral process to remain in power. Okay, can you provide some specific examples? Yes, and the examples are of contemporary autocrats. Vladimir Putin has ruled Russia since 1999 and may remain in power into the 2030s. Erdogan of Turkey has ruled since 2014. Lukashenko of Belarus since 1994. And Viktor Orban of Hungary since 2010. The Kim family has ruled North Korea since 1948. These are prime examples of what autocrats strive to achieve and maintain. That is, absolute power and control of power over decades. Thank you for that. Now, I know that you've compiled a list of 20 core characteristics by which to identify an autocracy and autocrats with the intent to clarify and educate citizens. I think our listeners should know that these definitions and characteristics and lessons are all documented and available to all citizens who are willing to also do the research. Also, podcasts 11, 12, and 13 will provide the references and context of these characteristics. So to begin, what is the relevance of sharing such characteristics and traits? At a minimum, these traits of autocrats can educate and cause citizens to reflect before voting. Well, you not only present the research, but I see that you challenge citizens to compare and contrast the characteristics to a democracy. That's correct. I challenge listeners to compare and contrast each trait of an autocracy with their awareness and definition of American democracy, and then let, let each citizen be the judge of what is at stake. Okay, I've read the comprehensive list, and I also have some questions regarding some of these traits. So let's begin with number one. Well, first of all, an autocracy is a political ideology, a belief system of governing in which absolute power is held by a ruler. Once in power, retaining power becomes the major objective at all costs. It demands strict obedience and blind faith to a dictator at the expense of personal freedoms. Number two, an autocracy is built on political narcissism, the belief of deserved privileges, special treatment, inherent superiority, and justification to possess absolute and unconditional power 
without restraints over its citizens. Number three, autocrats know when to strike. That is, when conditions are ripe, they prey on discontentment. They are aware of lingering historical grievances and grudges that divide the country, like civil, cultural, ethnic, religious wars, and regional divisions. Okay, before you go on, can you please clarify what you mean by historical grievances and grudges that divide the country? It can be debated that since the Civil War, our Civil War in America, we in America continue to have a segment of the population harbor racist attitudes and beliefs. In February of 2024, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, marched in Nashville. The FBI has reported that hate racist groups have been on the rise since 2016. The data shows that 62% of victims were targeted because of the offender's bias towards race, ethnicity, or ancestry. Study after study by the government or by private agencies agree that America's historical division over race remains at the heart of many conflicts we see in our society. So I would surmise that the majority of Americans absolutely would not deny that racist groups continue to plague our country. So your point is that autocrats not only understand the power of such a division, but that they also promote these divisions for their own self-interests. Okay, please go on with number four. Autocrats strike when societies are fatigued, exhausted during economic downturns, recessions, inflation, environmental disasters, and calamities such as the, the pandemic. Number five, a major strategy of an autocracy is to target and blame minorities that are said to be, quote, poisoning the blood of the country that they say are infecting and replacing the social, cultural, ethnic, religious fabric of the country. Number six, autocrats prey on segments of society that are predisposed to racism xenophobia, homophobia, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, transphobia, sexism, misogyny. These are the isms and phobias that promote and give rise to militias, domestic terrorism, alt-right extreme conspiracy theories, white supremacy that result in hate groups recruiting and radicalizing supporters. Okay, hold on. In relation to number six, you mentioned sexism and misogyny. Can you tell us the way women are addressed in an autocracy? Yes. The way that women are defined by autocrats should not be overlooked. An autocracy favors a male-oriented, male-dominated patriarchy, suppressing divorce, abortion, equal pay, and women's rights. Number seven. Autocrats gain financial support by making promises to special interest groups to eliminate and or deregulate laws and by blocking legislation. These supporters historically have been banks, wealthy families and their heirs, industrial tycoons, business executives, media giants, and alt-right media networks. 
Number eight, autocrats use nepotism, otherwise known as political incest, surrounding themselves with inexperienced family members and cronies placed in positions of power. Uh, Similar to the way Trump did with his son-in-law, Jared, and daughter, Ivanka, both of whom had zero governmental experience. Please continue with number nine. (laughs) Number nine. A major goal is for autocratic candidate, the autocratic candidate, to become the head of the government in order to use presidential powers to dismantle norms and safeguards, safeguards in order to remain in power. Number 10, the autocrat makes constant use of patriotic mottos, slogans, symbols, rallies, songs, and flags, redefining such concepts as patriotism and nationalism, changing the meaning of, in this country, what it means to be a true American, excluding others who are not so identified. Historically, autocrats use rallies as a primary strategy to promote talking points for enablers and supporters. Hitler's rallies were called the rallies of victory. The central focus of the rally was to demean opponents and double down on unchallenged misinformation and lies. Number 11, an autocrat revises and distorts validated historical facts and reality. The goal is to show favor with a segment of society that promotes historical revisionism in order to justify and rationalize immoral and criminal legacy. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about what advantage autocrats have by denying validated history? Well, history can provide intentions and motivations of leaders in unearths context and backstories while providing depth of understanding along with evidence of the past as it was lived. With all of its marvelous advancements, achievements, but also the stories of human tragedy of conquest, suppression, and genocide, a democracy unlike an autocracy is not afraid of of history and learns from it in order to not repeat errors in judgment and proactively change for the better. That was very important. Thank you. Please go on to number 12. Number 12, an autocracy is focused on controlling the daily narrative by bombarding citizens with lies, misinformation, and unjustly attacking and discrediting opponents. This is done by aligning with news outlets that become echo chambers that continually and consistently repeat the autocratic narrative. In today's world, social media is the primary force for autocrats to deliver its brand and message. Number 13, autocrats declare the fourth estate as the enemy of the people, justifying censorship, jailing, and even murdering journalists. Number 14, absolute blind faith loyalty is required by the autocrat. This is the psychological cult aspect of an autocracy. I I find this fascinating. Can you talk a little bit more about an autocracy as a cult? Yes, an autocracy is a cult given the definition of a cult. That is, followers worshiping the autocrat dependent on the dogma and norms of the group. 
In a cult, supporters don't question, compare, and contrast belief systems, but rather recycle lies they tell themselves over and over. Another trait of a cult is that supporters often become isolated from family members, workplace, and friends. This creates a beehive mentality. Members become absolute believers, disregarding the truth, adopting the language and behavior of their leader. Number 15. Once in power, autocrats replace, terminate, murder those in opposition, and surround themselves with yes men and women, always focused on total control. As just occurred with Alexei Navalny in Russia. Yes, and that's a primary contemporary example. Number 16. Autocrats never acknowledge the achievements of the other political party or election results. They never apologize or take responsibility for their actions. They believe they are above laws and do not accept decisions by juries, judges, courts, and elections. Number 17. Oh, wait a minute. This sounds familiar to what Trump allegedly tried to do regarding denying the 2016 election results and continuing to try to deny his guilt in his many indictments. Well, yes, those are accurate examples. Let me continue with number 17. Autocrats centralize, politicize, and radicalize the police and military. They use martial law to control opposing demonstrations, freedom of assembly, and eliminate unions. They create and enforce extreme sanctions, restricting incoming and outgoing travel, and create detention camps, separating family members as a solution to immigration. And we saw that firsthand as the Trump administration separated children from their parents along the southern borders as an inhumane solution and blaming others for the problem. Yes, the history of autocrats dealing with highly complex solution has been to engineer horrific human tragedies, which leads to number 18. Autocrats do not have a comprehensive political platform based on comprehensive collaborative policies and programs by which to govern but create a social, cultural, political narrative of blaming others for highly complex problems. The strategy is to point fingers at opponents and focus on electing an autocrat who simply promises to solve all complex problems. The reality is that there are no simple solutions, and it's a fantasy to believe that any one man can be or contain or have all of the answers. Number 19, autocrats focus on suppressing the vote by a host of strategies. For example, generating false information regarding voting process, limiting access to college students, creating challenges to accessibility rules, limit the number of voting locations and times, alter the language of ballots to confuse voters, realign electoral district boundaries, and a favorite of the Nazis, station partisan poll watchers to intimidate voters. 
Most of these strategies to suppress voting rights were used in Germany, currently used in autocratic countries, and sad to share, these strategies are now part of Republican Trumpism. Finally, number 20. Upon losing elections, autocrats will not hesitate to resort to accusing the electoral process as fraudulent, attacking election officials, and ultimately resorting to violence and insurrection to achieve power. Autocrats deny legitimate democratic elections and call on supporters to revolt against their government. These are called self-coups, or coups from the inside. The Spanish term autogolpe means coup, a blow from the top, a leader and party trying to stay in power through illegal means. Research shows that between 1946 and 2022, an estimated 148 self-coups attempts took place, 110 in autocratic countries, and 30 in democracies. So did we witness a coup on January 6, 2021? Yes, based on unequivocal validated facts. The events of January 6, 2021 are now historically listed as one of those self-coup attempts. Let me put validated research aside and ask the listeners. When we witnessed the insurrection on the Capitol as citizens, regardless of our party affiliation and zip code, regardless of our race, ethnicity, religion as American citizens, what did we see as a nation with the rest of the world watching? It was not the 1930s or 1940s. It was January 6, 2021, not in Russia, Hungary, Venezuela, Brazil, Iran, Korea, China, or Turkey, but it was in the United States of America. What did we see with our own eyes? Be honest. What did we witness as citizens of the United States of America? What was the hate language used by the insurrectionists? What was the language on the flags and signs? What were the actions resulting in five deaths and countless injuries? Why was a gallows erected to hang the Republican vice president? Who and what were the insurrectionists representing and why? What did we see, along with the rest of the world with our own eyes? We witnessed an autogolpe, a coup, by all right-wing extremists, insurrectionists with weapons, threats of death to legislators, and the plot to submit fraudulent certificates of electors who are now confessing as guilty of being fake electors. These were all choices made in a demonstration of power from the leaders and their followers to overthrow the government and the will of the people. To overthrow the government and the will of the people. Definitely an insurrection. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but these 20 traits presented are only a few of the many traits of an autocracy and autocrats. Is that correct? Absolutely. And this is why the topic of autocracy and autocrats has been divided into four podcasts. There is a great deal of not only content, but context to cover. The objective of these podcasts is to provide citizens with knowledge, references, and sources for citizens to consider 
before voting. We need to be clear-headed about what is at stake, the risk. We need to own the knowledge, the reality, the truth that is available to all of us. And may I remind, many of the characteristics of an autocracy and autocrats will be on the ballot in November of 2024. Well, thank you so much. All of your explanations and your list really highlight why this podcast on this topic has to be in four parts, because there's so much to digest. So please join us in listening to podcast number 11, Autocracy versus Democracy, Time to Choose, Part 2. That will provide significant references, adding knowledge and reasons for voters to focus on due diligence before casting their vote and to choose between an autocracy or democracy. It's been a sincere pleasure to share these thoughts with you, and I urge our audience to go to diversitythreads.com to find many, many articles on comparing autocracy versus democracy. And as always, a sincere thanks to Alan Contino, executive producer and chief engineer of Delirium Networks, and to Nancy Gage and Anthony Baez for the graphic designs on the website and podcast. And lastly, our thanks to each of you for joining us. I'm Gloria Lapata Prosperi, and you have been listening to Counter Voices. Mm-hmm.